The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. Listen, I, I, uh, I'm interested in famous people, and it's always uh, kind of cool to get an inside look into their lives and uh, what the inside of their houses look like. And we're weird that way, aren't we? we just, but, but there's some people that are just so, um, so great, you just say, man, I wish I knew them. I, I want to know all about them. What makes them so great? And so I want to introduce you to somebody today, a man who is a leader in his community. He helped so many people. He's very highly regarded. He, uh, he, uh, he, he's, uh, he's just dynamic. He's so filled with self-confidence. And he inspires everybody around him. And everybody wants to be near him. And uh, he's, he's just great. He's got a great following. He has an intangible something that sets him apart. Um, people, people realize that somehow a God is present in his life. And... Uh, so much so that they call him the great one. His uh, Twitter handle is at the real not Gretzky. Because he's the great one, but not that great one. And uh, who, is it? who are we talking about? Let me introduce you to uh, Simon the Magnificent. Um, he's been dead for a long time, just so you know. But uh, we want to take a look. And through the miracle of Grafe Theonoustos... Um, God breathed scripture. We're going to take a look at this guy and uh, take a look into his life and into his inner workings. And not just at where he lives and what his house looks like. We're going to look uh, inside him at his heart. It's kind of like we're going to do an autopsy of uh, Simon the Magnificent and take a look at the inner person that God sees uh, in him. And of course, when we do an autopsy, what we're really uh, looking for is things that will help us. And so uh, we want to kind of examine our own hearts as we uh, go through this. And so uh, let's take a look at uh, Simon the Magnificent. Let's get a little bit of background. We're in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him. And saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. I can understand that. But there was a man named Simon. Let's get introduced to Simon the Magnificent. Uh, there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city. And amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him, because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. So here we have this man who is virtually claiming to be deity, and he's convinced the whole area he's really something. And we can see... That there is about to be a cataclysmic clash of power. On the one hand, Simon the Magnificent, who had amazed the people of Samaria with his magic. And, and listen, he wasn't just some bozo. 
Um, the smallest to the greatest paid attention to this guy and said, this guy's got it. Uh, he is the power of God. Now, I don't know whether he was doing stuff uh, through the power of Satan, through demonic power. Um, doesn't seem to be that because when Philip ran up against uh, people with unclean spirits, uh, they, they fled and they left those people. We don't kind of see that happening. So I don't know if he just had like a slight, sleight of hand. I don't know if he was really good at conjuring and doing weird things. And um, there's, there's been many of those in South America. Um, there's a lot of guys and they, they seem to do surgery. Like it's like magic. And, and even good doctors go there and say, look, I can't explain this. I'm a doctor. I looked at what they did. It's amazing. It's, it's beyond the natural. So I don't know if he had some things going like that. But he was good. And he was amazing. On the other side, along comes Philip, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ into Samaria according to the plan that Jesus laid out. Uh, we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and then into Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is exactly what we see happening here. Uh, the book of Acts is following that, uh, what Jesus laid out. This is how the church is going to expand. And, and this is exactly what's happening. And, and here's Philip. Uh, the, the disciples were being persecuted in Jerusalem, all Jews. And they were being persecuted. And Philip was one of the deacons there, one of the guys serving the church and just taking care of practical needs. And he leaves and uh, goes out to Samaria, and, and it wasn't just the apostles doing amazing things. Philip's doing um, miracles. People are being healed. Uh, unclean spirits are leaving. And he goes to Samaria. And we heard a little while ago how the Jews don't get along with the Samaritans, and, and yet here's the gospel coming to the Samaritans, and they, they believe. And so we see this uh, happening uh, the, Exactly the way Jesus said. And so here's uh, Simon the Magnificent. Amazing people. And along comes the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's pretty amazing too. Simon's power was to promote himself. Uh, the power that Philip was exercising uh, promoted Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And... Uh, there's about to be a confrontation, and in this confrontation, uh, Simon's heart is about to be exposed. And uh, God is in the business of exposing hearts. He exposes our hearts. And when my heart is exposed, and it will be, it shows whether I'm living. Let's see what this means for Simon. It's pretty clear that the gospel was bringing a new day to Samaria. Here's a people that were ruled by demonic worship and magical arts. And the gospel and the power of God moves into that area and delivers them and sets them free. Verse 12 says this, But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So here, Philip is preaching the gospel about Jesus, the Messiah. He says, listen, uh, the Samaritans believed a, a deliverer was going to come. And Philip says, uh, he's come. His name is Jesus. He's God in the flesh, and he died in your place. 
and they believed and they were baptized. They identified themselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They said, that's for me. He died for me. I was with him on the cross by faith. I accept and embrace his death and resurrection for myself. They believed and they were baptized and they were set free from the demonic and set free from the false. This is still happening, you know. This is still happening. I'm so excited. It reminds me of one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Actually, two of my favorite verses in Scripture. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Darkness. If you're going to have a favorite verse, you may as well say it like with some like fervency, right? So he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Who could imagine I can be forgiven, cleansed from my sin, the things that I've done that weigh me down, they're forgiven, they're gone. Amazing. That's still happening today. And that's what was happening there. So Philip was preaching the gospel and they were being um, saved and cleansed. And now note this, this, this must have rocked this city. Uh, grab a hold of this. This must have rocked this city. Verse 13 says, Even Simon himself believed and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. The guy that amazed people was amazed. Now, how can that be? What's going on here? Well, let me tell you. You know the old saying, it takes a thief to catch a thief, you know, and you can't con a con man? Well, here's, a, here's Simon who had amazed people with his magic, and now he's amazed. <coughs> who better to know the true from the false than the guy that was the master of the faults. And Simon saw what was real, and he believed and was baptized, and he was amazed. What we're dealing here was a, is with a clash of two cultures. Be, no, make no mistake about it. This is not a, a power struggle between Simon and Philip. This is, this is not two guys with great power coming up. It, this is not the clash of the titans. This is not Superman versus Batman. This is, this is the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. And Simon was a slave in the kingdom of darkness. And Philip proclaimed the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the glory of Jesus Christ. And that's what overcame uh, Simon in the kingdom of darkness. Here's a people who were living by what they could see with their eyes and what they could figure out with their own understanding. And they, th they thought they were so good because they had these supernatural experiences at the hand of, of Simon the sorcerer. But when that was with, which was real came along, they recognized the falseness of what they were believing in. And we're faced with that same thing. A God has given to us the truth of the gospel. We can only truly understand ourselves when we are grounded in reality. And the, the reality is that God has given to us his word. And in it he proclaims that he's the creator and we're the created. And he's holy and we have fallen. And we can only understand ourselves in light of who God is and and. Uh, the, the truth and reality of who say, he says we are. 
So we, we, we do this all the time. We look around and we try and figure life out and we try and figure the world out and we try and figure ourselves out and we try and figure other people out and that's impossible. And we're looking at each other and we say, what is, what is going on here? And God wrote a book to, to instruct us in the reality. And so many people are saying, well, I'll pick a little bit from here and I'll pick a little bit from there and I'll figure this out on my own and I'll pick my own way. And God says, that's not going to work for you. You're living by a false worldview and you need a, a worldview of faith based in the truth of God's word. And uh, that's what was happening uh, when Philip brought the gospel. So into this false worldview crashed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here's the question. Is my worldview based in faith or is my worldview based in falsehood? Heart check. Heart check. Let's do a heart check. That's what we're all about this morning. We're taking a look at Simon's heart. Uh, let's do a heart check uh, on ourselves and on him. Uh, so heart check on Simon. Uh, it says, Simon believed and was baptized. Let's examine his heart. Does Simon have life? Uh, when, uh, when my heart is exposed, and it will be, it shows whether I have life. Does Simon have life? Simon have life? Let's bow. Thumbs up, Simon has life. Thumbs down, Simon does not have life. Oh, you guy's hard to, hard to convince. Listen, it says he believed. And he identified himself with Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection and uh, followed Philip and was amazed at the truth of what he was seeing. Um, heart check, uh, it's looking pretty good. Preliminary reports on the heart of Simon, how uh, the magnificent are. Uh, it's, it's looking, actually, it's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good. We're, we're happy with that. Well, what happens next? Let's keep reading. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, a little explanation here. A little explanation. First, we noted that Acts is detailing how the command of Christ is being uh, lived out. So, so uh, the gospel is going to all these different groups. And so uh, as the gospel is going out, uh, how do we know that the Samaritans got the same thing we got? How do we know that uh, God is building his church? It's one body. And Paul says we're all baptized by one spirit into one body. And how are they going to know that? And so uh, as the gospel went out, uh, Jesus put it under the authority of the apostles. So Philip wasn't an apostle, so he's proclaimed the gospel, and the Samaritans believed, and, and they're saved. But to make sure that it was under the authority of the apostles, and to make sure that they understood that this is one church and one body, um, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the, uh, the indwelling, not the indwelling, the, the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit uh, was delayed until the apostles came. That's one thing. Now, second, second thing, note this, this is not how it works for us. Uh, we don't wait, we don't get saved, and then later the Holy Spirit comes. Um, the Holy Spirit indwells us immediately as we turn to the Lord and receive life from Him. It's the Spirit that gives life. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 11 says this, uh, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now notice this, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. That's pretty clear. But if Christ is in you, if you do belong to him, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who is in you, who dwells in you. 
So if you have life from Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. We, we're, we're not going to go into all the verses that, that, uh, that, uh, that instruct us in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But uh, uh, there's no question that when we're saved, uh, we have the Holy Spirit. We have all of the Holy Spirit. You don't need some second thing from the Holy Spirit. Uh, what we need, we have the indwelling. What we need is ongoing filling. And so Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not get uh, drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. This is a command to believers. Uh, and so uh, we have the Holy Spirit in, but we need to be filled uh, with Him. And just like alcohol, alcohol, uh, this, the analogy is being controlled by uh, something outside of ourselves, but controlled by alcohol. So I know, I know, I know that you're, you're, you're not breaking any laws until you hit .08, right? But any insurance company will tell you 0.05, you're already like uh, kind of iffy. Uh, your chances of having an accident go way up. And, uh, and we know that as soon as you put that stuff in you, it, it is having an effect. We've gotten so used to, you know, 0 0.08, 0 0.08, 0 0.05. Uh, no, 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 0.01. It's, a, it's beginning to affect you. That's the analogy. Uh, but the point is, be filled with the Spirit. Don't go that way. Go this way. Be filled with the Spirit. Actually, it's present. It's ongoing. It's be being filled with the Spirit. It's something that we always have to be doing. We have to be yielding to Him uh, on an ongoing basis. Let's go back to Romans 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Okay, the Spirit of God leads us. This is a, this is a dynamic living relationship with God um, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is God in my flesh. He's living here with me. He's helping me. He's leading me. He's guiding me. Uh, Romans 8, 15 to 17 says, uh, this is a great example of, of one of the realities of God's Spirit living in us. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Listen, God is constantly affirming to us, hey, you're mine, I love you, you're mine. And our heart cries out, I'm forgiven, I'm yours. Do you remember those days when you first got saved and you just knew, I'm God's child. He, he's calling me. His spirit is testifying. You're mine. I love you. And your heart cries out, I'm yours. I'm forgiven. Thank you. Then God's spirit says, you're mine. I love you. You go, I'm yours. And then his spirit says, you belong to me. I love you. And you go, yeah. And the spirit says, I love you. You're mine. I gave my life for you. And you go, did you? Really? Am I? Am I really? How does that happen? How do we get to that place when God is constantly affirming to us, I love you. You're mine. How does his voice get so quiet? 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the spirit Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. We quench the Spirit when He prods us to do something. He says, come be with me. Get into my, the Word. Uh, do something. Uh, I want you to do this for me. And we go, no, 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 I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, God. We quench the Spirit. We resist Him. 
We grieve the Spirit when we do things that God says not to. God has given us so many clear commands of Scripture. Do this. Uh, don't do that. And the Spirit is there testifying to our spirit. Do this. Don't do that. And we quench the Spirit and we, we uh, grieve the Spirit when we do those things that He doesn't want us to do. Does this sound too mystical for you? God's Spirit leading me? Speaking to my spirit? Mature believers don't go crazy with weirdo stuff. Mature believers are obeying the word of God. They're doing the things that God says to do, and they're not doing the things that God says not to do. And so they're, they're walking with him, and his voice is loud in their ears, and they just know God, and they're walking with him, and they just know. You say, well, Roger, I, I don't know about that stuff. I, I still have to make the decisions in my life. I know that, but you're not doing it in a vacuum. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. God's Spirit will lead you. But not if you're quenching Him. Not if you're resisting Him. Not if you're grieving Him. When my heart is exposed, and it will be, it shows how I am living. So the question is, am I submitting to the Spirit of God? Uh, well, uh, we want to take a look at Simon. We're doing an autopsy. Simon the Magnificent, okay? We looked at uh, when my heart is exposed, and it will be. It shows whether I have uh, life. We kind of looked like Simon had life. It, it, uh, when my heart is exposed, and it will be. It shows how I'm living. How are you living, Simon? Uh, let's take a look at uh, verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. That sounds altruistic, doesn't it? I just want people to live for Jesus. I just want them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me do that. Let me do that. Um, but Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Well, Peter calls him out, doesn't he? Clearly, your heart is not right with God. I, I wish I had that kind of insight. Don't you? Like I just, okay, I don't, so don't be afraid. Wouldn't it be great? I could just, like, look and see into your heart. Dude, come over here a minute. Man, your heart is just sloshing over with pride. Man, you're so arrogant. We talk to people, and we go, what is driving? What is driving their behavior? Hey, sister, come on over here. Your heart is gripped with fear. Do you not see this? I just wish I, I had that kind of insight. Sometimes I, I'm talking to people, and I just wish Jesus was here, because if, if, if Jesus looked into your eyes, there wouldn't be any question about what's going on here. Well, Peter had that from the Holy Spirit, and sometimes the Holy Spirit does give people that still today. They just know. I know what's going on. Hey, man, your heart is gripped. You're seething with anger. You're not showing it. You're real quiet, but you're seething with anger. God looks into our hearts. God looked into Simon's heart and gave Peter insight. Peter said, your heart is not right with God. I repent of this wickedness. Si what was Simon's thing? What was, what was Simon's thing? 
he, he didn't want people, I just want people to be blessed. I just want them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that, was that, was that his thing? Uh, no, that was not his thing. What was Simon looking for? What was his thing? What was he going for? What was the desire? What was the intent of his heart? Peter says, repent and ask God if he might forgive you the intent of your heart. What was the intent of his heart? You know what I think it was? I think Simon wanted to be Simon the Magnificent. He wanted to be the man. He wanted to be the power of God that is called great. I think he wanted the same things that he was going for before he was saved. Isn't that sad? Isn't it true that the things that drove my life before I came to Christ are so often still present after I come to Christ? So here's a question for you. How is being saved any different than what life was like before? Well, it's all about submission to the Holy Spirit. It's about being transformed in my heart. Peter says to him, uh, ask the Lord to forgive you for the intent of your heart. You need the intents, the desires of your heart to be transformed. That's what it is. Now listen, we have a theological problem here. Just like Simon. Uh, many of us have a theological problem uh, with the Holy Spirit here. And I'm not talking about uh, when you believe he comes and whether you, there's a second blessing. Uh, those are serious things, and I think God's word speaks to those things, and that's not what we believe here. But we have a theological problem with the Holy Spirit. Our problem with the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of prayer is the same problem. We want to bend and manipulate God to our will. And that was Simon's problem. He wanted power over the Holy Spirit. I want to give the Holy Spirit. I want the power. And many of us want the power to do what we want to do in our lives. And we have forgotten that the Holy Spirit is God. He's God. We submit to him. We worship him and bow before him and do his will. And the key to this whole thing is submitting myself to the Spirit. And so here's the question. Am I submitting to the Spirit or am I submitting to the flesh? When my heart is exposed, and it will be, it shows how I am living. Heart check. Heart check. What's my thing? What's my thing? What's your thing? There's a list, isn't there? I say, oh, yeah, I've got a list. I've got more than one thing, probably. Uh, how do I know? How do I know what that list is? Well, well let, we could go to uh, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. There's a list there. talks about the fruit of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. That's pretty clear. Uh, we can go to Romans 12. Hey, mature believers, live this way. Don't live that way. Live this way. Uh, that's a list. Uh, I could see myself in there. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. Um, I, I can go to Ephesians chapter 4, put off the old man, put on the new man that's renewed in righteousness after Christ Jesus. I can go there. There's a, I, I can find myself in Scripture. I, uh, I have a thing. I so often am submitting to my flesh instead of submitting to the Spirit. And when my heart is exposed, and it will be, it shows how I am living. and How I need to be living is submitted to the Holy Spirit. Um, hey, warning, warning, we just discovered something here. As we're doing an autopsy on Simon's heart, we've discovered there's a, there's a, whole, uh, there's a, a whole load of stuff that's built up in his heart. Let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at that warning here. Uh, we found a serious defect living in the flesh, 
Failing to yield to the Spirit lives, uh, leads to this. Verse 23, uh, Peter says to him, let's read verse 22 again. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. The gall of bitterness. That just sounds bad. Let's say that together. The gall of bitterness. The gall of bitterness. What on earth is that? Well, gall is like the bile. It's, it's, uh, it's something that courses through your whole body. That's what the Greeks believed. And so they just, uh, uh, Scripture uses this word. Dr. Luke uses this word. He says you're filled with bitterness. Uh, you're bound by sin, bound by sin. So wait a minute, Peter. That seems uh, uh, harsh. Uh, that seems a little premature, doesn't it? Like he, uh, Simon just, like this just happened here, right? Doesn't it take a lot of time? Don't you have to like live like bad for years before you become bitter and bound? Um, uh, uh, no, no, no. You can become bitter and bound like right away. Uh, look at this scripture, Deuteronomy 29, 18 and 19. Beware lest, lest there be among you a man or a woman or a clan or a tribe, this is talking to Israel here, whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. One who, how does this happen? One who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. Bitter, bitter. When I say, I know what God's word says, but uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to be okay. A bitter, that's a bitter pill. That's going to come back to bite you. That's going to be a bitter pill one day. And if it's bitter then, it's bitter now. Bitterness, it's a bitter place to be, bound by iniquity. Proverbs 5.22 says, The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he's held fast in the cords of his sin. How, how fast does that happen? How long does it take? I choose to sin, bam, I'm right away. I'm, I am creating a, uh, a pattern of sin in my life. I do it once, I do it again. Pretty soon I've got this thing etched into my life, etched into my heart. Bitterness, bondage. Heart check. When my heart is exposed, and it will be, it shows how I'm living. How am I living? Well, let's examine, um, let's examine Simon's heart. How is he living? Well, let's ask this question first. Um, when my heart is exposed, and it will be, it shows whether I am living whether I'm living, is Simon living? Um, well, it seemed clear before, not so clear anymore, right? Not so clear. You can't live this way and know for sure that you belong to Jesus Christ. You can't, that can't happen. So how about how? It shows how I am living. How are you living, Simon? Is Simon living submitted to the Spirit of God? Uh, no. No, Simon is living submitted to his flesh. Does it have to be this way? No. No, it doesn't. What did Peter tell Simon he needed to do? Verse 22. Repent and pray to the Lord that he might forgive you. Uh, there's one way out of this. One way. Repent, confess, and receive forgiveness. That's it. That's so easy. Jesus Christ paid for this. He paid for this. It's not a hard thing. Well, it's, it's, not, a diff it's not a complicated thing. 
Simon, you got one job. Just one job. Repent and pray for forgiveness. That's it. Well, from the words of Simon, from his own lips, how did he do? We're going to vote on this in a minute. Did Simon, is Simon living in repentance? Where is he living? Uh, is he living in repentance? Simon said, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Okay, repentance, thumbs up for repentance, that's good. Repentance, uh, not repentance, thumbs down. Not repentance, not so sure, not so sure. Did he repent or didn't he? Um, one job, Simon, pray and ask the Lord to forgive you. Uh, the words of Simon, you pray for me that, that this won't happen to me. Um, well, let's take a look at uh, repentance. 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 10 and 11 uh, give us a picture of repentance. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief, grief produces death. And here, here's the marks of uh, repentance, of godly grief. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. Also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. Uh, seven marks of genuine repentance. Uh, repentance is a change of mind and purpose and life to which remission of sin is promised. When I repent, when I truly repent, God promises forgiveness. Uh, what does it look like? Uh, first of all, earnestness. Uh, this is taking it seriously. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this. Um, I'm not just flippantly tossing it off. Oh, this is just every man's problem. Um, I'm not just saying, hey, uh, lots of people do this. I'm not just saying, hey, I'm only human. Uh, no, no, earnestness. I'm taking it seriously. Uh, here's one, eagerness to clear yourself. Uh, don't misread that. That doesn't mean like I'm just looking for a way to, to say I didn't do this. I'm innocent. I, um, no, this is the word apologia. We get our, our word apologetics from it. It's actually applying truth to the situation. This is an eagerness to uh, be found in the truth. I want the truth. I want clarity about this. Um, indignation, deep vexation, recognition of the wrongness. This is conviction, conviction of sin. I'm indignant about this. This was sin. Uh, fear. Fear of the Lord. A recognition of righteous judgment. So many of these uh, come uh, into, uh, into focus on Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Uh, the, the seriousness of sin and the fact that God's righteous wrath was poured out on it. And Jesus took that on himself. And so... Uh, repentance is always in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. And there's this longing, a longing for righteousness and goodness, a longing for cleansing, such a yearning that this could be cleansed. And then six, zeal. Uh, this is an energy, a commitment to follow through. This is an important one. This is why... Uh, we say, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, take some time with this. Uh, we'll wait and see because uh, the follow-through is so important. And so uh, lots of people cry uh, big tears. I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry I repent. Let's see the follow-through. Zeal is the follow-through. And then finally this, punishment. This is a recognition of the consequences, a willingness to bear the weight of my sin. I, I did the crime. I'll pay the fine. Not that I'm trying to 
pay for my sin, but I'm willing to bear the consequences of what I've done. I will take responsibility. The result of this kind of repentance is innocence, no regret. It's salvation being lived out. A heart check, heart check. What do you think now? Was Simon repentant? You've got one job, Simon. Repent and ask God to forgive you. Uh, you pray for me that nothing will happen to me. I don't, I don't call that repentance. What's a word that might uh, describe where Simon's living? Where is Simon living? I would describe it as resignation. Resignation might be a word. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to repent. But I don't want the consequences. Is that possible? It's not possible. You cannot live in this place resigned, saying, I'm just going to live with my sin. I've come to terms with it. I'm, I'm just okay with it. I guess I just am what I am. And I'm going to stay here. Um, and I'm hoping that God will just overlook it this time. And I'm hoping I'll just be okay. And that's not going to happen. Bitterness and bondage is coming your way. Bitterness and bondage. There's only repentance or resignation. Repentance is the only way out of this. Only repentance. So here's the question. Am I living in repentance or resignation? I told you Simon's been dead for a long time. I have one more thing to tell you about Simon. You've seen them do this. Let's identify with somebody. I am Simon. Because I want my way. I want to be the hero of my story. And there's only one hero of the story. It's Jesus Christ. He's the one who paid for sin. It's only he who can forgive sin. So the only way out of this, there's only one way out of this. I need the filling of the Holy Spirit. I have to submit myself to God. That's the only way out, folks. I have to submit myself to the Holy Spirit. When my heart is exposed, and it will be, it shows if I'm living. Do you have a life? Are you living by faith in the truth of God's word, or are you living under a false worldview that says that you can do this? Uh, how are you living? Are you living in submission to the Holy Spirit of God, or are you living in submission to the flesh? And where are you living? Are you living a repentant lifestyle, or are you living... Resign to your sin. It doesn't have to be that way. We're going to sing uh, Lay Me Down. Our uh, worship theme's coming. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing to us Simon, Simon, Simon the Magnificent. Lord, we confess I'm Simon. Lord, the only way out is repentance and faith. And so, Lord, uh, would you help us to turn from our sin and turn to you and s receive forgiveness from your hand and submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God? Uh, Father, meet us here in this place. Lord, it's hard. If it was easy, we would just all be doing this.
Lord, uh, sin gets in our way. It binds us. Lord, we don't want that bitter lifestyle. We need deliverance that comes from your hand. So Lord, help us as we sing this. Holy Spirit, renew our hearts. Holy Spirit, revive our, our spirit. Give us life. Strengthen us. Jesus, help us lay it down. Help us to honor you and run to you and hear, I love you. You're my child. Don't live that way. Live this way. God, help us. Help us in this moment to lay it down, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.